Amen, you can have a seat. You know, my guess is that lots of us in the room have been through one time or another during our lives when we have felt broken, like emotionally torn down, broken. That can happen for lots of different reasons. Sometimes it's like one big event, something huge happens in our lives, and we know that from that moment on, things are never going to be the same. Or maybe it's like an avalanche of small things that just keep washing over us, and we can't seem to recover in time, and we just feel broken, emotionally broken. It can start out with simple sentences like, I hate to tell you this, but your cancer has returned. We don't want to do this, but we're going to have to let you go. Or someone says, I just don't think this relationship is going to work out. Words like that really change the course of our lives, and it feels like something that may have seemed secure no longer is. Something that we were depending on has been robbed from us, and because of that, Man, our emotions really take a toll. So what do we do with that? You know, we're in this series called Masked, and we're thinking about lots of things like our fear that, that really we just want to hide from other people because it's embarrassing or because it's super private and we don't feel like sort of sharing it with everyone. And our brokenness can be one of those things. Maybe it's because what caused that brokenness. Maybe because it feels like weakness. We just really don't want anyone to know. So what do we do when we really feel broken? You know, the truth is, we're not the first ones to deal with this. We can imagine that humans have been dealing with it throughout history, but, but what might be surprising is when we recognize that even some of the great heroes of faith dealt with this kind of brokenness. And today I want us to look at a story where we see just that. It's in the life of one of the real great heroes of the Old Testament, the prophet named Jeremiah. Jeremiah has this large book that's filled with his life story and filled with his prophecy, his word from God. And if you read through the book of Jeremiah, what you find is that Jeremiah was a prophet, which means he just, he had God's word and he shared it with the people. And he was prophesying during a terribly turbulent time for his people and ultimately in his own life. And we find that Jeremiah shows up in and that near the end of the history of the people of Judah. Now this is just the two tribes that are left of the, the larger kingdom of Israel. So it's sort of a remnant in a time when they, their power is diminished, their people are diminished. And he prophesies in a time when there were two great superpowers that were competing. In the east there was the Babylonian Empire. And it was headed up by, by King Nebuchadnezzar, one of the most powerful men in ancient history. But in the West, there's also the power that is Egypt, that is sort of a perennial power, and it's headed by the pharaohs, Pharaoh Hophri during this time. And what we see is that Judah is dominated by this power in the East, by Babylon. They really have taken over. And, and Babylon likes to rule. Nebuchadnezzar likes to rule through local kings. And so he chooses someone, maybe someone who is royalty or aristocracy, and he says, okay, I'm going to make you king, and it's your job to do everything I tell you. Doesn't sound like much of a kingship, does it? But that's the way it worked. If you want to remain in power... Really, if you want to keep your life, what you're going to do is follow my orders and rule your people like I tell you to. 
And so he chooses a man named Zedekiah to be king over Judah. Now, Zedekiah was in the royal line, the royal line of David, the greatest kings of Israel and then Judah, the line that ultimately Jesus would be part of. And so Zedekiah is chosen and basically Nebuchadnezzar tells him, like lots of other people, you're king, but, but really in name only. You get the palace, you get some of the wealth, you get a tiny little piece of the power, but you do what I say. What we find out about Zedekiah as well is he wasn't a man who was really that interested in following God's will. He wasn't really interested in listening to what God had to say. What, what he really wanted from God was to God for God to approve the plans that he already had in place. In other words, he wanted God to be his good luck charm. And that's where Zedekiah and Jeremiah sort of meet and there's some real conflict. Okay? So we find Jeremiah and Zedekiah comes to him and says, okay, what's the word from the Lord? Because this is what's going on. I'm under control of the Babylonians, but what I'm hearing is the Egyptians are coming our way. And so we pick this up in Jeremiah chapter 37, verse 7. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, that's in verse 6. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Tell the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of me, Pharaoh's army, which is marched out to support you, will go back to its own land, to Egypt. Then the Babylonians will return and attack the city. They will capture it and burn it down. Now what's going on is Zedekiah is saying, listen, Egypt is on its way. And they've marched out to oppose the other major superpower. And what I'd like to do is desert Babylon and go with Egypt. I think I can get a better deal. And Jeremiah inquires of God, and God says, if you do that, here's what's going to happen. They're going to burn this city down. Now, that wasn't the news that Zedekiah wanted to hear. That wasn't what he wanted Jeremiah to tell him. He wanted God to say, okay, whatever you say, Zedekiah, you just do it, and I'm with you because you're my people. But that wasn't it. God says, don't do it. Don't go with Pharaoh. He's not going to be successful. And if you do, the city's going to get burned down. Verse 9, this is what the Lord says. Do not deceive yourselves thinking the Babylonians will surely leave us. They'll just sort of walk away. They will not. Even if you were to defeat the entire Babylonian army, which wasn't going to happen, that is attacking you and only wounded men were left in their tents, they would come out and burn this city down. Jeremiah's pretty clear here. If you go with Egypt, they're going to burn the city. That's where we stand. And guess what happened? Well, the king of Pharaoh marched toward Judah and turned around and walked back home. The battle never even happened. If Zedekiah had aligned himself with Egypt, Nebuchadnezzar would have destroyed him. So here's what happens next. No battle takes place. Jeremiah is exactly right. The word of the Lord was absolutely 100% true. It happened just as God said. And Jeremiah began to walk out of the city to go inspect some land that had been given to him, and he was arrested. And everybody said, Jeremiah is a traitor. We wanted to line up with Egypt, and he said we should stay with Nebuchadnezzar with Babylon. He wouldn't tell us what we wanted to hear. He doesn't love Judah. 
He doesn't love our king. He doesn't love our people. If he had, he would have given us better news. Now, what did Jeremiah do? Jeremiah just simply spoke the word of the Lord, which was true, and the people didn't want to hear it. And so at this point, he's arrested. Zedekiah has him arrested. He turns him over to a man named Jonathan, who's sort of secretary of state. Jonathan takes him back to his house. There's an underground dungeon, a domed room, and he sticks him in that room, basically with no food, and he's just left there in the dark with no food. And scripture says he stayed there a long time. Now we're not told what a long time is. If you leave me under those circumstances for 10 minutes, it's a long time, okay? Now I don't know if it was 10 days or 10 weeks. I don't know. I don't know how long this lasted. But what we do know is that eventually Zedekiah is caught again and he wants to hear the word of the Lord and he thinks, who can tell me what God has to say? How about Jeremiah? So he has Jeremiah brought out of this dungeon where he's been staying with no food, no light, no nothing, and drags him in and says, what is the word of the Lord? Now Jeremiah's got a choice here. You can tell Zedekiah what he wants to hear, or you can speak the truth. And which will it be? Second half of verse 17 says, Yes, there's a word from the Lord, Jeremiah replied. You will be delivered into the hands of the king of Babylon. Now it amazes me that Jeremiah has the strength to speak these words. But that, that strength, that courage in that moment is also paired with, with what seems to me to be pain and brokenness in the very next verse. Because even though he's, he's had the strength to share what is true from God, the next words show a man who is completely broken. Verse 18, Then Jeremiah said to King Zedekiah, What crime have I committed against you or your attendants or this people that you have put me in prison? Where are your prophets who prophesied to you? The king of Babylon will not attack you or this land. All those people that said, Oh, you're safe, you're fine. Everything's going to be good. Where are they now? Because it's not good. But now, my Lord the King, please listen. Let me bring my petition before you. Do not send me back to the house of Jonathan the secretary, or I will die there. Here's a man who knows that if he has to go back in that terrible situation, it's going to mean death. A man who is broken. A man who is suffering because he has been faithful to God. And in that moment, it seems like as Jeremiah opens himself up to his emotional brokenness there to the king, the king takes mercy on him. And he, he doesn't send him back to the house of Jonathan. He, he sends him to a place, there's a courtyard, and he says Jeremiah can stay there, and he commands the, the guards who keep him to make sure that he has bread. The city's under siege. He says, give him food as long as there's food for him to have. As long as the city's got food, make sure he gets fed. And it seems like things are better. But then people start talking. 
Jeremiah is not the kind of guy who loves God, right? Because doesn't love the people. Because listen to the words he said. He said we're going to fall to the Babylonians. He said that they can burn the city down. He must be colluding with them. He must be able to, to get something from them if we give ourselves over to them. Jeremiah is a traitor. And they convince Zedekiah to allow him to turn Jeremiah over to them. And this is what happened. We go all the way down to chapter 30, uh, 38, verse 6. This is Jeremiah's fate. So they took Jeremiah and put him into the cistern of Malchijah, the king's son, which is in the courtyard of the guard. They lowered Jeremiah by ropes into the cistern. It had no water in it, only mud. And Jeremiah sank down into the mud. There's a picture of this man of God whose crime is speaking a truth that no one wanted to hear. The word of the Lord. And they take him and they lower him down into the cistern and he just sinks down into the muck. And they walk away. I mean, can you imagine looking up and seeing maybe a little bit of light above you, but here you are stuck in this mud, no way to get out, no food to eat, no hope, perfect place to catch disease, no telling what kind of vermin were there with him, and he's just there. What kind of emotion would come over you in that moment? What kind of hopelessness? What kind of brokenness must he have experienced? Jeremiah is saved only because one man, a man named Eben Melech, had mercy on him and went to the king and pleaded his case. And he allowed him to gather 30 men, and that's what it took to pull Jeremiah up, being stuck in this mud. They, the city being under siege, there's not even a rope for them to find. They have to find old rags and tie them together. They lower it down and it says that Scripture's clear. He, he wrapped this homemade rope around himself under his shoulders and they pulled him up out of that muck and saved his life. Now, here's what amazes me. He saved from all this. This man who's gone through the emotions of being in, imprisoned and then released, sort of, and then put down in the cistern and pulled back out, all because he's been faithful to the word of the Lord. And again, Zedekiah calls for Jeremiah. He's brought in and he says, is there a word from the Lord? And Jeremiah basically says, you don't want to hear from the word. You don't want to hear from the Lord. Why should I tell you? If I tell you what God actually has said, you're just going to kill me. Why would I do that? And Zedekiah promises his safety. And Jeremiah says again, if you don't submit yourself to Babylon, they're going to carry you off. They're going to carry your wives off. They're going to carry your kids off. That is the word of the Lord. What strikes me in the story is that here's a man where two powerful things are sort of brought together. 
incredible bravery on the one hand to keep speaking the word of the Lord that no one wanted to hear and extreme brokenness on the other. And we sort of think those things are separate, right? If you're, if you're really brave, if you've got the power of God's Spirit at work in you, if you are brave to the point that you keep speaking the word of the Lord even though you know it's going to cost you, Surely you're not broken because God's strength would carry you through. But if you're broken, then that must imply some kind of emotional weakness. You just don't have the fortitude to pull yourself up out of it. But what we find in Jeremiah is that these two things are brought together. That yes, he is brave and bold in the name of God, but he is also broken. They are present together. And what that leads me to is this truth. Keep doing what's right, even when you feel down. Keep doing what you know is right, even when you feel emotionally broken. And that is hard to do. I am not saying it's simple, and I am not saying it's easy. I'm saying it's what we're called to do. It's what Jeremiah did. It's what others have done throughout Scripture. That even when things are tough, you know, well, what we want to believe is this. If I keep pursuing God's mission in my life, if I keep doing what God has called me to do, God's going to make it better. God's going to make it easier. I'm going to have a life that's going to be so much easier. God doesn't necessarily promise that. For Jeremiah, at least for a time, it got worse. It got just about as bad as it gets. And Jeremiah kept doing what was right. And you and I have been called into this mission of loving God and loving others as a church and as individuals. And what we need to do even when we feel broken. And maybe, maybe you feel broken today. Okay? Maybe because, of, because you followed God, the results are you're hurting today. Or maybe because you've done something and and you look back on it and you know it was a bad decision, you might even say this was sin and that's why I'm suffering today. And you're broken. Or maybe just a series of life events that, I mean, stuff just happens and you feel broken today. The message of Jeremiah, and I think the witness of Scripture is, Keep doing what you know is right. Keep participating in God's mission. God has called us to something important, to be part of what he's doing. We know a God who is on the move and is active, and we are called in, invited in to his mission of sharing his love to the people around us, to speaking grace to the people around us, to showing kindness. Keep doing what you know is right even when you feel down. You know, it's easy for us to get focused on just trying to feel better. And that makes sense. But when we just keep doing what's right, what we are doing is lining ourselves up with the God who created us and offers us salvation and has invited us to spend eternity with Him. And if we're lined up with that, if we're lined up with a God who loves us enough to give us life, 
to offer His Son on a cross, to fill us with His Spirit, if we're lined up with a God who loves us that much by doing what He's called us to do, what's more important than that? Keep doing what's right even when you feel down. Let's pray together. God, we know brokenness. Some feel it even today in this room. And God, what we ask you today is to help us to keep doing what's right, keep doing what you've called us to do, to keep participating with you and in your reign in this world through Jesus. God, help us to be the people you need us to be in this community, in our church, in our families. Help us to love you and love others. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.